You nervous? <laughs> I, I wasn't. Until yesterday. Uh, uh, yesterday was my, my grandma's 90th birthday. And so put her on speakerphone, called her up, right? Uh, she lives in Indiana. And uh, call her up, speakerphone, kids all around and everything. Hey, Grandma, happy 90th birthday. And it was awesome, good conversation. And she's like, I can't wait till tomorrow. Like, That's weird, Grandma. Today's your 90th birthday, right? Like, and she's like, no, you're talking about sex tomorrow. I can't wait to watch. <laughs> Oh, hi, Grandma. <laughs> hi. Happy birthday again. Uh, <laughs> so if you're brand new, not always a bed on stage. Uh, and if you're brand new, you're like, what's this guy talk about all the time? Not sex all the time. Just most of the time. And so... Uh, if you're, if you're brand new, though, and I want you to know, we're in a series right now, what we call a series, where we, we open up the Bible, but we see, oftentimes the Bible's confusing if you never read it, and you're like, okay, how's this all connected? Well, the, well, the Bible's connected, but, and we, so we use a series to kind of help us hone in on, okay, what's this really talking about? So here's where we'll start. If you missed it, I'm going to catch everybody up. Uh, our appetites are where we face our greatest battles. That's kind of like the premise of this whole series, that that you and I have appetites for things in life, things that we <clears throat> literally crave, uh, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and it's often in those places where you face like the biggest battles of your life. Uh, for instance, I shared a while back how uh, a year ago I started facing one of the places that uh, I, I fight. It was food. I used food literally to bring comfort, or if I had a bad day, a good day, I used food like it was a drug. And I had to come to grips with that I was giving literally food authority in my life, and I went through the past year of really fighting that and getting that battle won. I still like donuts, though. Still, still. So, what about the stuff in your life, as well as mine, that you've handed authority over to? You're like, well, I don't know that I've done that, like, logistically. Well, most of us do, actually. Not on purpose, actually. Timothy Killer gives a quote that we've been using to help us understand what we're going after, and referring to the word of idols or idolatry, as the Bible speaks it. Uh, it is anything more important to you than God, anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. And here's like the kicker, anything you seek to give you what only God can give. And I, I've already fessed up to you multiple times, Instead of going to God for comfort, if I had a stressful day, instead of like literally as a pastor, I know, uh, like getting on my knees and praying, God, I'm really stressed out, will you help? I'm like, Chinese food sounds fantastic and makes me feel good. I, I'm just, so I had to fight this. But as you know, the sermon's not about the idol of food. <laughs> Here, one of our strongest, one of our strongest cravings is our appetite for sex. Now, if you're like, I didn't know he was talking about that, um, tried to give you a hint over the course of multiple weeks. Um, here's what I know. Um, 
if you and I got like real personal and you told me about what's hurt you the most in your life, I would imagine the majority of us would reference something related to either a romantic relationship, sex, or something related to that, and many of us would find some of our greatest wounds there. I think the devil is using our appetite for sex when I would say he's even God-given, and he's manipulating it. And we live in a culture now that not only, I don't think, knows what's the best way, we're refusing the best way because it doesn't always align with our way. And so we're gonna, we're gonna start off. I, I, I'm not good at small talk if you don't know me. I mean, unless we're talking barbecue, and that's not even small talk to me, but I'm not good at small talk, so we're just gonna go after this, okay? We're just gonna, we're gonna walk right in there. You're like, whoa, he went to the deep end fast. Yep, here's what we're gonna do. So what, what does the Bible actually say about what's going on in our lives related to sex? Well, well, I can tell you some of the breakdowns. One is in the world of pornography in our world. Pornography, if you don't know this, just give you some basic stats that, that aren't mine. Just uh, one out of five mobile searches uh, is searching for pornography. One out of five. Probably uh, that continues to ramp up, uh, but that's just the science of it. Uh, Students and, and young adults were surveyed about what they thought was worse than something else, like compare A versus B, what's worse, and, uh, and, and people ages 13 through 24 actually rated it's worse to not recycle than it is to view porn. If you just want to know like, what our, how our culture, whether you like it or not, or whether, I don't know if you're a part of it, disagree with it, or agree with it, our current culture not only thinks porn is fine, but has built a very legal economical system in place to fund it to where an old stat was, I think it's still true, all of professional sports combined together does not make as much money as the porn industry. Used to be a day I had to go find it, now it finds you. But what's interesting now is I do think some people are becoming aware, and it's not just the church, it's not just Christians. Science is actually proving that the use of pornography is extremely destructive to you. It's been proven that actually uh, the majority of marriages that, that end over someone cheating on someone, they can actually trace it back oftentimes that someone got addicted to pornography. They now can trace that, that much of anxiety and depression can be linked to the abuse of or the use of pornography. There are atheists saying, yeah, porn's not good. But we're not here, and uh, I'm not a scientist. I know you know that. I want to show you what the Bible says about these things. In fact, here's the problem, and I don't know what you think about sermons, I don't know what you think about church, but this sermon is gonna have an overabundance of scripture from the, from the word of God, right? It's gonna have an overabundance of that. It's gonna have very little opinion of mine and stories because I think many of us have become where we're building our lives on opinions. And so I want you to know, before the internet existed, um, <laughs> Jesus said this, you have heard the commandment, that says you must not commit adultery. We're all, yeah, yeah, that hurts, don't do that. But I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Looks. So Jesus is just highlighting that what you and I do with our eyes regarding sex and lust seems to matter, seems to cause problems if, not, if we don't pay attention. So he's bringing up, he's like, hey, 
Hey, I know many of us get into the details of stuff, and you're like, well, we didn't actually do the deed. Jesus is like, oh, oh, let's talk about just what you were craving in your mind and how that can actually do things. Now, that's just one of them. So you're like, yeah, okay, so pastor said porn, bad, all right, all right. Well, Jesus also just talked about adultery. And most of us know that adultery is not Good decision. I can show you scripture. This is just one of the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, 14. You must not commit adultery. I rarely meet someone who says, I think it's totally okay. But stats actually are telling us something very interesting. Did you know that uh, infidelity uh, affairs continue to rise year after year after year and have done so for the past 25 years? That they aren't going away, even though we would say, yeah, that's painful and dangerous. The number one reason typically attributed to the demise of a marriage is someone decided to step out of the marriage. Proverbs 6, 32, but the man who commits adultery is an utter fool for he destroys himself. What's noticeable about this, he destroys himself. Notice like, not just like his marriage, like, oh yeah, you're gonna lose your marriage. No, destroys himself. Hebrews 13, 4, give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit Adultery. So far, easy. So far, you're like, you know what, David? This is not near as awkward as I thought it might be. So far, you've said porn. We shouldn't indulge in that, that, that it's destructive. And, and Jesus even said to pay attention to what we look at. And, and, and affairs, you're like, yeah, I know the damage that that causes. And you're like, okay, okay, so far, it's rational. Is that all that God cares about when it comes to sex? No. In fact, I want to take you to a place that you may not have predicted, but we'll see what happens here. First uh, Corinthians chapter six, don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Speaking to Christians here. Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her. For the scriptures say, the two are united into one. Now this often gets uh, misinterpreted because you're like, oh, okay, so David, continue with this is not difficult. Don't go to prostitutes is what. I, but you're noticing that's actually not what I think he's going after. He brings up like this joining together is what he's bringing up. In summary, who you have sex with matters to God according to the word of God. Who you and I have sex with? God actually cares about. We gotta process this. Because many of us are like, I don't, uh, I don't like that. And according to this scripture, literally, literally, the people in your life that you've chosen to give that to, the things that you and I look at, who you have sex with, matters to God. Why? You ever ask that? You ever get annoyed with God? Would you like me to, I'm gonna bring this up, okay? I'm, I'm, does it not seem like sometimes God is just robbing all of our happiness, that the rules of religion or Christianity seem to take all the joy out of life, and you're like, why is this a big deal? Who stinking cares? Glad you asked, here. <laughs> Misdirected sexual desire can create a craving we serve. And if you want to know why I'm bringing it up, 
If you want to know, like, why can't we just talk about, like, just love generically? Um, because whether you're willing to admit it or not, there are many of us who say we are followers of Jesus Christ, yet we are actually following our sexual cravings. Our sexual cravings have become the, the God. They, they now sit on the throne. And we would say, yeah, I love Jesus. I definitely don't want to go to hell. I like the idea of heaven, and so I like that. But I just, I'm not going to stop giving in or I'm going to chase this desire of mine. And we've tried to do, do both. Meanwhile, we begin to understand that, wait a minute, this is in conflict. It's like something's breaking down. I can't seem to like serve uh, my Lord Jesus Christ while doing things the way he said don't do it. This has so much weight to it. This is far beyond like policies and, and laws and stuff that our culture has seemed to have made it. Jesus brings up the, the, how significant this is. Matthew 5, uh, so... So if your eye, even your good eye, someone's like, well, what about my bad eye? I mean, is that? <laughs> so, so if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. Don't apply that right now. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. That seems so extreme to us, and I don't think Jesus is in saying, all right, everybody, and I brought knives for everybody. Like, no, I, I, I don't think he's doing that. What he's, I believe, doing is saying there is weight to this that culture refuses to acknowledge, yet you and I feel the weight to it. That indulging in our sexual desires and cravings in any way that we want, you can say that's what you're going to do. But on the other side of that, if it goes against the best way that God said to do it, you find yourself typically lacking in your soul, if not broken inside. So Jesus gives it a ton of weight going, you want to know what matters? This stuff. If you go to 1 Corinthians, I told you there's going to be tons of scripture. Uh, it says run from sexual sin. Nowhere in the Bible does it say run from eating too many donuts. I've looked. <laughs> right? There's a lot of things that the Bible says, hey, don't do that. But there's not a lot of things that the Bible says run from this. So you and I should be like, whoa. You mean this is so extreme and powerful and significant and, and, and damaging and this is such an issue that, that if, if in the wrong place, if misdirected, I, I need to run from sexual sin, yeah. And by the way, let me just say, it doesn't say run from sex. Perhaps you were raised in a setting where sex was demonized, going, don't you talk about it? Don't acknowledge it? It's always bad. That's not true. And unfortunately, in the church, I think we're one of the most guilty people of not talking about this. Because it's taboo. Or in some cases, offensive. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. If you want to know why this is such a big deal to culture, 
For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Just, just a short point here, this is a big deal. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, the temple, the temple, the temple of God. Notice that our culture says the temple is God. Just a detail that you and I should be aware of. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God brought you bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. If you don't listen to the rest of the sermon, because I'm gonna say some things that you're likely gonna disagree with or be like, that's old school, David. Can we all just land on, so you must honor God with your body. If you miss it all, tune it out. If you get distracted, if you start getting notifications, if you start getting hungry, whatever it is, honor God with your body. If you miss all of it and you're too, whatever it is, if you just would revisit this later this week, Honor God with your body so that you don't worship your body. That's one of the core lessons trying to be presented to us. We just have to talk about it in the specific context of sex. So here's a couple things to pay attention to regarding sex. God wants intimacy with us. I'll describe this in a second. And the worship of sex can destroy intimacy. God wants intimacy with us. And I think the reasons he brings up some of this stuff in scripture, you're like, why are you bringing that up? It's kind of like raining on my parade. Worship of sex can destroy intimacy. And many of us are like, well, good thing I don't worship it, right? You're like, I don't, I don't worship it. <laughs> That's extreme. I'm just sleeping with my girlfriend. I mean, not worshiping it. Anything that you put in an authority over God is that which you worship. When you put God into authority of every part of your life, when you're putting God, God, you have authority over this, you're worshiping God. When you say, God, you have authority over this relationship, you're worshiping God. God, you have authority over my finances, you're worshiping God. But if you say, God, you can have all this, but you can't have this, you're saying, I, I worship this actually. And that can destroy intimacy. If you've ever felt yourself lacking and longing of having a genuine relationship with God, perhaps the idol of sex is present in your life. The word intimacy, like I told you, is a little weird for some of us. Here's what it means by definition. Close familiarity. We get weirded out by it because our culture doesn't understand intimacy. Sometimes we think, well, intimacy is sex. No, no sex can be intimate. But actually, it becomes sometimes not. And what God wants with you is familiarity. He wants to know you and you to know him. And when you and I put things in between us and God, it robs us of that intimacy, it robs us of that familiarity. And we live in a culture right now that lets sex do that all the time. So, why did God make sex? <laughs> I love looking at your faces. Can't see you online or TV, but boy, it's fun here. Uh, God's plan for sex. To produce life. I told you I'm not a scientist, so we're not gonna spend a lot of time here. But one of the multiple reasons, there's multiple reasons, so don't tune out yet. You're like, that's the only reason? No, that's not the only reason. But one of them is to produce life. Now, listen, I know that you, I, I'm confident that you know that. 
But the reason I bring it up with you right now is because we're in danger of deviating in this sermon where you're going to think that I'm issuing you opinions or cultural thoughts or traditions. No. What I want to do is I'm going to bring this up and show you the scripture that speaks this. Because if you want to know the, the opinion, not even opinion, no, no. If you want to know what this church does is we, we look at the word of God and let the word of God actually tell us how to do life, whether we like it or not. So, to produce life, where do we get that from? Not just from science, um, from the Bible. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. Fruitful. To make more fruit. Huh? I don't think you guys talked about sex as families when you're growing up. I don't think this was a normal thing for you. <laughs> Multiply. To, to make more of. God told Adam and Eve to have sex. To produce life. You're getting that, right? Okay. Just one of I know you know that. The Bible says it. Now that's not the only reason, as you know. So let's let's go to Proverbs and we'll learn some more reasons here. Uh, drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife. Wife, spill the water of your springs in the streets, having sex with just anyone. You should reserve it for yourselves. Never share it with strangers. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing. Blessing's a big word. That, like, there, there, there's joy in, in this. Uh, for, for you, rejoice. Blessing in, and rejoicing. God's plan for sex is not just to produce life, to provide pleasure. If you were to keep reading that, that Proverbs, oh, you're going to have some fun in that one. Look that up later. Uh, you don't need me to read it, and you actually don't need me to tell you, but God actually designed sex to provide pleasure. And this is where we need to camp out for a while. Because our culture pitches pleasure as a right, but I would cross that out, and our culture treats pleasure as a king. And I don't think any of us would disagree that that's one of the reasons God made it was for pleasure. But unfortunately, in today's society, that if you have this, this pleasure, that you, this craving, this, this appetite, culture would tell you specifically sexually, uh, then satisfy it however you crave it. Because it's your, your right. If you don't know this about our, our nation, which I love our nation, I, and one of the unique things about our our nation is that we have what's called the Bill of Rights. If you didn't, if you skip through history class, let me help a little bit here. Uh, the Bill of Rights is powerful and amazing, uh, but it's very unique to our nation. Every nation in this world doesn't have a Bill of Rights. It's very unique to us. So you and I were raised in a culture that said the Bill of Rights is, is not only unique, but it's, a, but it's a big deal. The problem with the Bill of Rights is if morality gets like separated from the rights, we begin to be just you do you, I do me, and it's all okay then. It becomes a rights-oriented society where everything is about you being able to satisfy your appetite however you want because you have the right, and that has us worshiping rights. So there is a super prevalent lie that no one's talking about. 
Here's the great lie in society right now. Life without sex is a lesser version of life. This is why our world would tell you that you should demand your rights and go after your rights regarding sex stuff because life without that is, is no good. I'm just, I'm gonna say what's not being said. What's not being said is, is that culture is telling you. If culture says that's what you want, then you have to go after it because you can't imagine life without that. They're telling you that if you don't have sex your way, you can't actually live life fully. Interesting. That culture would walk itself into a corner of lies. So what does Jesus have to say? Do you and should you just go after sex in whatever way you crave? Let's look at Jesus. Jesus' Jesus' disciples then said to him, if this is the case, uh, it is better not to marry. Not everyone can accept this statement. We're like, "Mm, amen. Jesus said, only those whom God helps. Some are born as eunuchs. I'm not going to go into detail about eunuchs. I'm just going to tell you it's when you are physically unable to have sex. Some have been made eunuchs by others. Oftentimes when a king would take over a territory, he would bring some of the enemy into his palace, but he would make them eunuchs because he was threatened by them. I think I've said enough. You get what that is. Some have been made eunuchs by others. Watch this. And some choose not to marry. Why? For the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Now, some of us misinterpret this. Oh, they choose not to marry because they don't want to be married. That's not what it says at all. And if you want to actually know what he's going after, some choose not to have sex for the sake of the kingdom of God. You know know what you just said? We can choose not to indulge our sexual appetites. I don't know why anyone's not saying, I I don't know why this is being avoided. I do know why it's being avoided. You can actually choose not to indulge a craving. I would imagine you could create your own list of cravings that you hope that I would never indulge in. For some reason, our culture says sex is is something that's yours and only yours and no one can do anything about it. Jesus would say, you don't have to. And so let's talk about Jesus for a second. We have, no, we, have, we have no historical documentation of Jesus ever being married. Like, I know a lot of people are like, but there was Mary Magdalene. Uh, there's, no, there's no proof that he ever got married. You're like, but maybe, maybe he had sex still and they just didn't. No, no, in that culture, if you had sex outside of marriage, you were killed for it. You didn't get away with it. In fact, if you remember, you probably do know this story. One time a lady was thrown in front of Jesus' feet. She had just been caught in in an affair. They threw her in front of his feet, and everyone had picked up stones because they were going to throw them at her and kill her. And you know what Jesus said. Most of us are familiar with this, whether you've read the Bible or not. Hey, whoever doesn't have a sin, you throw the first stone. And they're like, oh, man. Right? I'm telling you, based on the culture of that time and what we understand about Jesus, he never got married and never had sex. Do you think Jesus didn't live a fulfilling life? 
What's crazy is in the church, you know what we've done in the church? Accidentally, I think. We've elevated marriage so much, listen to this, we've elevated marriage so much that we make single people feel like something's broken. Meanwhile, Jesus was single. And so were many of the others spreading the gospel. Look what we've done with our sexual appetites. We have guilted people, shamed people. And I think it's time that we stop and re-repent. Jesus said a lot about this. Um, Jesus replied, uh, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts. So at the time, if you don't know this, um, basically they would get bored with their marriages real fast. And when I say real fast, like within a week. And so what they were doing is uh, they would get married because you could only have sex if you were married. So, oh, they did that? They're like, we are, we're married. Got the ring. And then they would issue a certificate of divorce within the week so they could go sleep with another person. So eventually they're like, are you kidding me? So they had to make a law. Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts, but it was not what God had originally intended. Now we need to stop. I'm gonna share some things, and I don't know what you're gonna do with them. But Jesus, Jesus just brought up something that should be the measuring stick for the rest of your entire life. Jesus just said, you want to know how to live life? You want to you, you know how to do this? And he brings up, let me talk to you about what was originally intended. A lot of people, uh, I know this will shock you, will, will love to argue with me on stuff specifically about this, and they'll show me Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic. It's all fun. No, it's not. Uh, no one ever talks to me, ever, about sex, and what Jesus just said, how what God originally intended is a big deal. And I tell you this, oh, oh can you, there we go. And I tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery, unless his wife has been unfaithful. Now let's move through it. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. This is the original intention. I'm just gonna show it to you. You do with it whatever you want. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Yay, helper. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them and the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky and all the wild animals. But remember, he's, God's making him a helper. But still there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. Now I know why I like ribs. I just, it just hit me just now. <laughs> Sorry, it's totally not my, oh, Katie's gonna say something later. Okay, <laughs> never mind, okay. Uh, at last, which I think, May not have been all he said. At last, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. That's what God originally intended. You can debate it. 
You can be frustrated by it. You can reject it. And in fact, many days, uh, now people will say, uh, that's old. That, that's, that's old stuff. The problem with saying that that's old, do you know that Jesus reiterated what I just read to you? Do you know that Jesus actually brought that very thing up and affirmed it? He did not reject it. In Matthew 19, haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied? Haven't you read the scriptures? I think that would be a good thing for us as in today's society. Like, I know you got an opinion. Have you read the Bible? Uh, haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied? They, they record, and which is, they record, meaning they documented what really happened. They record that from the beginning, meaning the beginning is a big deal to God. It's a big deal. God didn't just do things in the beginning going, yeah, I wasn't really thinking about it. They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. Jesus is reiterating what it says in Genesis. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united in one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. That just gave you the third reason for sex, actually, to create a bond. Here's what's frustrating. I've, I've preached on sex before. What's frustrating about preaching, can, can I be that, you, you're cool with me being super like way open-handed with you? What's frustrating about preaching is that oftentimes people don't listen to everything that comes out of my mouth. They listen to parts of it. I think the devil is manipulating our appetite for sex because he knows it will bind us to anyone else other than God. It will cause us to obsess about pleasure. And we will let pleasure rule in our lives. And if you think I'm trying to shame you, I'm not. I think the Bible's clear about what God said, his original intention of sex. A man, a woman, in a marriage. And if you think I'm, well, there it is. He's bashing, bashing, what do you think? I'm, I'm not bashing. You know what I probably should bring up? Is the Christians who are playing marriage and not married. You think being judgmental, you've never heard my story. I'd love to tell you my story sometime. I've got my own errors along the way. What I want you to know, back to where I started, that God says one of the ways for us to honor him and live for him isn't just up here, it's with all of our bodies. And how you use your body, whether you like how God said to use it or not, is one issue but the truth matters. And the truth is how you and I use our bodies is a way we either honor God or dishonor him, is a way we either worship God or we worship something else. So let's land here on 1 Thessalonians. Um, Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in a way that pleases God, which I think is, I think is the core desire of a Christian as we have taught you, you live this way already and we encourage you to do even more, do so even more. For you remember that we taught you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. God's will is for you to be holy, so stay away from sexual sin. 
Many of us have disconnected, well, I can live holy and I'll, I'll do the sex thing the way I want to do it, not according to God. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God and his ways, never harm or cheat a fellow believer in the matter of by violating his wife. For the Lord avenges all such sins as we have solemnly warned you before. God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching, but is rejecting God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. This is why I'm not afraid of you. (laughs) I love you with all of my heart. But how dare I or any church withhold the truth from you depending upon however you receive it or not. I'm telling you, I, I want you and I to live life God's way. And I think the scripture has spelled it out for us. It's now a challenge for you and I to go, what do we do with this? And so I'm gonna invite you to uh, re-watch this sermon. Especially if you come to conclusions about something I said or didn't say, uh, confusions about scripture and things like that, I'd love for you to rewatch it. But let me clear something up. If you are interpreting what I have shared with you as David canceling you, you're wrong. Or as this church canceling you, you're wrong. Who's welcome in this church? Anyone and everyone. There is no person we will refuse away, and the agenda is not that you feel shame, it's that you know who God is and worship him. So I hope you heard that in this. But let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, what a topic. God, I know, uh, I know you know better than I know, but I know, Lord, that many of our woundings and many of our places of confusion, of hurt, many of the experiences in our life, Lord, that have even made us reject church or Christians is on this subject. So God, I ask in the name of Jesus Christ that you would help our hearts receive your word. Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus Christ that anyone who is in bondage to any kind of sexual sin, anyone who has been wounded, hurt, abused, God, would you bring about healing that only you can bring. Lord, would you help us to be a group of people that isn't just the title church, but we are a place where grace is prevalent and abundant, where truth is prevalent and abundant. God, help us break the chains of any idol in our life. We need your help, Lord. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.